0: You may have noticed that we have not posted a podcast in a few weeks. Well, I noticed that I have a life and that my life is incredibly busy. That is not what I actually want. I um, I love doing this podcast and I wish I wasn't so exhausted from studying for these certifications and taking care of my dumb real life stuff, but... You may also notice that during this episode, I am drunk. I have drank and I am drinking a martini while I talk. So please imagine it sloshing around in my hand whenever I get a word wrong. I think I call music movie at one point. Alfred was drinking too, but he's way more collected than I am. So team Alfart. Uh, Enjoy the show. We're gonna try and get back on a schedule. Send us any feedback you have. You can just message me. I'm at DVD box on literally all social media. You can email at us at Malfred, Malfred. Malfred, you know what? I'm done. Let's let's just listen to the episode.
1: That'd
2: be a cute name for a dog. What's the cute name for the dog? Wikipedia. Wikipedia. And you can call him Wiki.
1: I love Wikipedia. I am...
2: Um... Yeah, I'm a. I, I have twice. Uh, become a monthly subscriber to Wikipedia. Yeah. And that's, I mean, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I now realize that I'm getting billed both $2 and $3 a month separately on different, different, uh, I guess, uh, schedules.
1: I um, took a class on editing Wikipedia in college. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like an actual class that was structured around editing. You got college credit. I got college credit for editing
2: Wikipedia articles. How, How often would you meet?
1: I mean, it was a weekly class, I guess.
2: So the answer is was a semester we- weekly,
1: yeah. And I am um, weekly wiki. Um, and I created the Wikipedia page for the film Murder Party.
2: Oh, we watched that movie together. We did, yeah. I
1: mean, I watch that movie every year.
2: Well, I don't care about that.
1: You should, it matters to me. Well, don't. well I am recording,
2: uh, yeah. I figured, yeah. You, you gotcha, ma.
1: yeah. I got, ga- I got, ga- I, I what
2: I got. Well, it's like gotcha, but I'm the guy that got got
1: <laughs> you got gotten. I
2: gotcha, ma. you gotcha, yeah, I gotcha. Ma. No, you you gotcha.
1: So what's up, Alfred? Uh, what are, what like, are we doing? Uh, I can't get... <laughs> I'm opening what? a Miller Lite. Mm, okay. Which I was going to tell you earlier, Miller Lite was the first beer I ever had in in like a public setting where it wasn't like, you know, at a high school well, party or something. You went right to the
2: police department and spit in their face. Yeah,
1: I took a big mouthful of Miller Lite. I walked right into the cop office and I went pigs and i spit it
2: but you were 21
1: i was no i was uh, 18
2: oh you shouldn't have done that
1: i know i got in a lot of trouble with my dad i'm sure
2: you went right straight to jail
1: straight to dad jail
2: yeah Um, worse
1: yeah but uh no it was on a cruise ship oh fun i went on a cruise when i was 17 not 18 i was 17 years old and there was all this shit that was for like 21 and up okay and all this shit that was for children and there was nothing for people who were 17
2: incorrect you described children already
1: I'm, no, I mean like for little kids. Yeah, I wasn't a little kid; I was a seventeen-year-old. All right, but I found this piano bar, and the pianist was this um, <laughs> new this the, the pianist. He was this New Zealand guy yeah. who had like a Rod Stewart haircut and he had a cool. beautiful voice. And so, at like eight p.m. every night, he would come in and play at the piano bar. And at about seven thirty, the bouncer would show up, and I realized that if I went in at seven o'clock was no bouncer yet that's right and no one would check you know how old i was
2: it's like a trojan horse
1: and so i would go to the piano bar just to hear this guy play and flirt with him
2: um was he also 17 no he was definitely like 40 okay
1: um but i this is a
2: sexy story (laughs) it was
1: it was i mean there's no sex involved but basically i wouldn't order drinks or anything because i didn't want to get caught good but there was an irish wedding on the cruise
2: that sounds like a euphemism, but I bet you're being literal.
1: I'm being literal. So okay. the entire Irish wedding party would come, was at the piano bar and they saw I wasn't drinking. And this guy in this like very thick Irish accent comes up to me and he's like, you need to have a drink in your hand. And he slammed a Miller Light into do my it palm. More,
2: do it more Irish.
1: I don't know how to do an Irish accent.
2: You need to have a drink in your you hand. You need to
1: have a drink in your hand, Lassie. I, that, I, I am Irish, so.
2: You need to have a drink in your hand.
1: Um, but yeah. So Somebody he,
2: got that Scarlet drink.
1: He, he slammed a Miller Lite into my hand and I couldn't say no and I drank it and that was the first time I ever had like a beer, you know, like out in and, the world. And now you're having another one for the, and s- now for I'm, the second time in I'm life. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> my second beer, I'm fucked.
2: fucked.
1: Yeah. It's only been 20 years since then. <laughs> well, um, hey, how are you doing?
2: Good. I'm good. Guess what I ate tonight? Uh,
1: I don't, I can't guess. I'm
2: going to give you three guesses.
1: Okay. Um... Um, pizza. No. Uh, steak. <laughs> cheese.
2: That's a good guess. Is
1: it a? Is it a... a I want uh, you to
2: think. Do you think I ate cheese that was mm, cold and solid?
1: Mm, no, I bet it was hot. I bet it was hot
2: oh, cheese. Yeah, it was hot cheese. You're right.
1: Was there something in it?
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Like peppers and shit, right? <laughs>
2: okay, that's, yeah, we're on the same page. It's queso, yeah? Yeah, that's right, queso. I
1: shared it with you.
2: Uh-huh, mm-hmm. I know. We, we played a little trick on merms. He, uh, he probably was like i i don't know how she guessed
1: <laughs> shout out to merms shout out to randy the two who came back to me the only two who listened to the podcast who also came back to me our and were number like, one fans our number one fans merms and randy and we're both like this queso episode is the best thing you've ever done in your life you've been worthless till this moment and i, I said thanks
2: did they like the title
1: I don't I didn't ask. They did, like the content. Did they for even sure. catch the title? Did they even read the title?
2: Did they look at the art?
1: Do people read the titles of our episodes? I think so. Man. I hope so, because otherwise they would have missed that sick cop shot I reference.
2: Between five and eighteen seconds <laughs> coming up <laughs> with our titles. titles are if people podcast. aren't looking at them. We can just call them, you know A and B. Yeah, donkey. One, two, three. What's the next one?
1: Donkey. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right we do in the interest of full mm-hmm. disclosure we have both e- dr- consumed how many marks one sangria swirl a piece no that's the end of that <laughs> it felt like you were expecting the numbers to go up <laughs> but no
1: we had a, we had beers before that's true how we, many we i, I d- <laughs> shut up <laughs> My fault, I brought this upon myself.
2: Oh, uh, but also a trace, <laughs>
1: trace. You had trace, I had uh-huh. dose. Yeah. Um, we went to Bricks City Brewery in uh New Jersey, New Jersey.
2: That's right, it's in the city of New Jersey, New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> the city's so nice, they named it twice. <laughs> it's uh, where is it? It's in Hackensack. Uh,
1: I don't Little think. Ferry, might be Little Ferry. Yeah, I went to
2: the Starbucks in Little Ferry one time, and the um, the guy at the drive-through said, welcome to Starbucks in Little Ferry, home to the littlest ferry. Wait, is that true, though? I, re- I was like, oh, that's very charming. I need a coffee so bad. Though. <laughs> was this guy just really funny? Yeah, well, I mean, like, you, you be the judge. I said exactly what he said to me.
1: Yes, it is, in fact, in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Brick City is a fantastic brewery, very, like, small microbrewery. Um,
2: Interestingly, it is named for Newark, which is known yeah. as the Brick City. Yes, it is. But the brewery is bricks with an X, mm-hmm. city.
1: Make great beers. They do a lot of crazy shit with IPA, lactose.
2: It it does often feel like their beers are sour milk. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people enjoy that.
1: I love to drink sour cream.
2: It's so odd to me. People are like, this beer, it's like dead rotten milk. I love it. (laughs) And then I bring you home and I'm like, interesting, because I've got very old milk. (laughs) And you're like, get that fucking get out that of here. Get that out of my my face. I, that, I put that... You shouldn't even put that in the trash. Get those... Dump that in the toilet get bowl. Get that
1: milk out of my face. Um,
2: That's your catchphrase. That is my catchphrase. I appreciate you saying it.
1: <laughs> I say it every episode. Every
2: epi- she tries to work it in. and Usually it's subtle.
1: The drinking game for the podcast is when I say that you chug. You
2: got to drink that you milk.
1: Gotta dr- you got to drink milk. <laughs> you have to
2: chug a glass of whole milk. It's a pretty... Man, it's a pretty wholesome game. The stakes are very low. low but I guess you, not, I guess I you do have to keep milk on you, you while listening to, to the podcast. You do have to chug the milk, yeah. which
1: I do think is a dangerous Hey, do you
2: want to drink some milk right now? No, I'm
1: good with this Miller Light. You want to drink?
2: You. Here, let me, here, let me give you some milk right now.
1: Oh, that doesn't smell right. Mil- no, that does not smell right. You're going to drink the milk. No, I'm
2: not going to drink Come that. on.
1: Why do you have that in here? This is the recording room.
2: Well, I mean, that's probably why it smells bad, but you say the line.
1: Get that milk out of my face. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> I, I hope you're not lactose intolerant, Merms.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, All so. Right.
2: Enough of that. We did go to the uh, same place, though. Yeah. We went back to test the queso club. We went We yeah. went to the bar this time. And mm-hmm. I, I'm of the opinion that the most competent server in any in any chain restaurant is going to be working in the bar.
1: Mm-hmm. The bartender.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like the top spot under the manager. Yeah. They probably make more money than the manager. Yeah. And uh, this guy, he was ready for us. He knew. I said, hey, hey, <laughs> I'm in the Queso Club. He said, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Because the last time we were here, we got sort of a, a whole spiel. He's said, well, you couldn't sign up today. But if you're in the club, you get free Queso forever. Well, for 365 oh, days. I
1: do have a Queso Club update also. What? So Randy went and did some research for us. And one, he was able to find the website. Randy. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Randy found the website for the Queso Club um, and sent it to me. And it did he, did How did he find it? A, uh, Google, I believe he just typed Queso Club it feels into like Google. We, found it. we did a
2: bad job. Yeah, I'm starting to think I'm not good at the internet.
1: I am good at the internet, so I think I was drunk. <laughs> um but
2: I'm good, I'm good at that.
1: <laughs> so he found the website. I was able to see the Queso Club. There are no terms and conditions listed on the website,
2: no rules. But he
1: then found a press release. Yeah. Stop um, presses. And it was a press release that I believe was uh, then um, taken back. What retracted? do you call that? Retracted? A retracted press release.
2: All right. Wait. So it does actually feel like it goes all the way to the yeah, top. Yeah,
1: and I saved it.
2: Where would they have released this? Just g- generally on the internet? Yeah, like I... And because maybe I don't via... think USA Today is going to like run a... I really yeah.
1: don't know because well, when you Google Queso Club, you find like Thrillist.com being like, Ooh. "No deal like this has ever existed before." Well,
2: that's probably true.
1: But um, I'm gonna. Can I read the press release? Is can that you? like a cool thing to Got do it. on the? Oh, this is way longer. Is it in English? The, it is. Um, read the pertinent parts. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for being part of the Peso Club. It was Mm-mm, a fantastic promotion a that helped jumpstart our loyalty start program.
2: Blah 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 blah. You called it the Peso Club.
1: <laughs> I did not. <laughs>
2: Well, you'll hear that later.
1: (laughs) The promotion has ended and we are not taking new signups. All memberships will expire after 365 days.
2: Okay. I wish they wrote years.
1: For those current memberships, you will continue to receive a daily reward for one free bowl of signature queso. Um, Well, you
2: know, I mean, at this point, I have no further complaints. Yeah. I will say our server, who was pretty good at his job. Did bring the check and the queso was on it. And mm-hmm. He had to summon the manager to get the queso removed. Yeah,
1: that was the only real drama we had today. A little which little I, I kind of wanted it to be like a big thing.
2: I will. Yeah, you were ready.
1: I was. I, I think. What did you I? You had your, in your milk ear? on the table. Let's fight. Let's fight. It's time to fight. Time, yeah. Time to fight.
2: I never heard you say that before, but you had your eyes were pure yellow. You had yeah, queso. They lust. turned
1: yellow. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens to me. I- <laughs>
2: I'd never seen that before from you. <laughs> In a human? <laughs> no. I'll say one other funny thing was we uh-huh. asked them to bring us more chips. Mm-hmm. And he picked up the chips he that t- we had on the he table. Took the <laughs>
1: chips that were left. I'm like, why, why did you take the chips?
2: Yeah, we didn't ask for different chips. Yeah. We asked for more.
1: So that was the real drama. Yeah,
2: that was it. We had yeah. a good time. We
1: got the queso. Did he take it off the check completely?
2: I didn't notice. Okay. I think he did.
1: Yeah, yeah I think so too. I, I don't know. think
2: there was any... Because there's no um, indication on the bottom of the check now... It used to keep a running tally of my mm-hmm. queso club visits, and like, that's gone.
1: I'm wondering if the real issue is they've taken the like button off of the register yeah. to like charge you for the dollar queso. I kind of
2: feel like I'm just not going to take them up on it. I'm not going to press the issue moving forward. I will. Well, sure. You know my phone number. You can just tell them you're May.
1: That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like I'm Alfart. <laughs> <laughs> is your name right
2: yeah cool hey do we is this the are we gonna are should we ready to should debut we, our, our our names our, it's like We've top gun hiding
1: our names this whole time our top
2: gun style call signs
1: <laughs> so uh, well you sort of
2: spilled the milk with mine
1: we're gonna need you to tweet if you are team alfart hashtag team alfart or team what is my
2: name manis manis
1: M A N U S. manis
2: and alfart
1: hashtag team manis I hope everybody's team Alfard, And whoever loses gets a bucket of sour milk right over their heads live no, on not... YouTube.com. No.
2: That's what I'm doing to you. You can do that at home if you want.
1: I do every night. Ooh. I love that milk. I feel like... <laughs> I, 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 that can't be true. <laughs> can, can it? I guess I don't know. You
2: don't know me that well. No, I don't, Manis.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Alfard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You can find the new T shirts in the merch store.
1: Oh my god. I, I mean for nineteen <laughs> ninety five
2: you can wear a t shirt. It's blinding yellow with in red in red font it says Team Alfart. <laughs>
1: It's just a bowl of queso below it. This is actually a really good shirt. Yeah, And then Team Manis is just a milk.
2: Or does it say Team alfart on the back with the bowl of queso on the front? Uh,
1: I think bo- it has think, to be both. I think it has to say Team alfart and the queso on both the back and the or front. Does it say Have team, you ever seen a shirt like that? Does it
2: say Team on the front and Al-Fart on the back? <laughs> and the whole thing is kind of a crude bowl of queso. <laughs> All the way around oh i would buy that i know oh, yeah gosh
1: yeah
2: i do know somebody that can make t-shirts but I don't that's know. a taller. yeah that's a it that's got a little a, high concept a rough one yeah i think it might just have to say team alfart like we're you know in the policeman training squad or something
1: <laughs> all right have you watched any movies
2: I, I have Actually, watched, I
1: should probably mention, we missed a week. We
2: did. We we just, You've been a little busy. I'm at, I have a, a rough time. We had a mutual friend get married.
1: We were at a wedding. We
2: we just lost a little time.
1: Yeah, it was just too busy a week. And honestly, like four people listen to this. Who cares? Yeah,
2: and you guys could have... I assume you just re-listened to the queso episode. They must have just listened to it eight times. I guess I assume you listen to that episode every night now. I do. That's how I do podcasts. I
1: can't sleep unless I hear our voices. Yeah,
2: I can. Oh,
1: Good for, I, good for you, Alfred. Yeah, I have, um, mm-hmm.
2: I, dude, have I told I you? I have what, a narcolepsy. Yeah, I, I have a terror, I'm totally, I'm like, I have a, a real deep fear of my own voice. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> not like I don't so like scary. the sound of it. It's not like, oh, that's, that's how I sound. No, it's different. It scares me. <laughs> Any, uh. I
1: hear the devil in myself. I just don't like it. It yeah. sounds like
2: the guy that tells me to do things.
1: That is the guy who tells you to do things. That's true. It's okay. my inner voice. Yeah. I'm afraid of my inner voice The also. thing that I
2: fall asleep to nowadays, and I think I have talked to you about this, but I, I don't know if I've shared the information on the podcast. Okay. The um, NBC sitcom Frasier. Oh,
1: you have told me It this, might yeah. have been a,
2: a CBS sitcom. It's mm-hmm. on... Uh,
1: I think you did actually mention this yeah, on the on podcast. It's on
2: It's very charming. Yeah. All right. I, so what have we watched um, apart from Frasier?
1: So I watched a movie called The Sadness, Taiwanese movie. Um, kind of like zombie esque, more rage virus. Yeah,
2: twenty eight days later. Yeah, in sort Taiwan. of that, that concept. People said in Taiwan, it
1: was set in Taiwan. Okay. Um, people kept telling me how great it was. They're like, "You're gonna love this. This is so your shit." Were they right? Um, I liked the first hour a lot, and then there was a quality drop off, and it just got ridiculous in a way that was stupid to me.
2: It was just grotesque,
1: e- but not even like gross, just like eye roll. You know, because like I, my my capacity for like watching gross things is very high. Like, I'm gr- I'm fine. I love gross shit. We're going to talk about it later, how much I love gross shit.
2: When was it made? Last year. Okay. So During the a, pandemic. So this is a post-COVID movie. This is, no, this is movie. a
1: movie that, like, is very aware of COVID to the point at which it's doing COVID commentary without trying to change it in any way. They're like, if this virus hadn't been politicized,
2: maybe we could have stopped it. And I'm
1: like, don't repeat shit to me. I already know because that's not making me think differently about the state of the world.
2: Like in Jurassic Park, if they were like, don't get eaten by a dinosaur. He'd be like, no shit.
1: Uh, Kind of, yeah. But it would be more like um, the president made this happen. Like kind of shit.
2: I don't know. I I guess in that (laughs) scenario. There would have had to have been a similar dinosaur (laughs) problem caused by the president.
1: There would have to be dinosaurs if... I just picked
2: a thought that I thought would be easy for you to understand. But
1: like we have like some sweet ass triceratops just like roaming around eating veggies and shit. And then the movie is about T-Rexes and they're like, if only we hadn't bred T-Rexes. And I'm like, okay, I know people have issues with the triceratops, but come on. Like it's... Yeah.
2: So in that scenario you described... (laughs) We have a sweet ass triceratops eating veggies, <laughs> and people are upset about that. Yeah, I made a movie about a different dinosaur
1: <laughs> that they hate,
2: <laughs> and the different dinosaur eats people.
1: Ooh, and uh, I, Sabrina. Oh, I want it. Thank you.
2: All right, so you just Sabrina received has just
1: delivered me a glass a of dirty pi- piping hot milk,
2: a piping hot milk glass, curdled milk.
1: This is a milk punch.
2: All right, no, it's not. It's not milk. It's a it's a dirty martini. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. Did you finish your Miller Light? No, I didn't. You're getting toasted.
1: I'm getting three drinks. I'm taking an Uber. It's possible home. your
2: take, your take won't be great. Anyway, you didn't love.
1: Yeah, what I didn't was love the sadness. S- the sadness. I really enjoyed the first hour because it was fun. I
2: assume it was in Taiwanese. Spoken Taiwanese with English subtitles.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay. And and it has some. I, I, it's funny because like. For me, I'm watching it and I'm like, is this about Chinese or um or US politics? But it was made by a Canadian guy actually?
2: Which mm, is interesting.
1: Surprising. I'm like, does the he must speak Taiwanese? Like must he must be
2: Taiwanese Canadian.
1: Um I mean he's white. I don't know.
2: Is that a problem? Do you think it's no, appropriation? No, I mean, he could be...
1: He, I, I I don't think so. I just think it's interesting that this like white Canadian guy went and made a Taiwanese film.
2: Was it meant to be like a knockoff of Train to Busan or something?
1: Actually, it was It was a... I, the one thing I, I've I'll read I'll pull is, the veil
2: back a little. We did talk briefly about the movie before you yeah, turned on the, we did, the, yeah. the machine. Yeah. Um, before that cylinder started to to spin.
1: There's a comic called Crossed by Garth Ennis, who's done a lot of like Batman and DC stuff.
2: Garth Ennis.
1: And Garth, I, I believe it's, yeah, no, it's definitely Garth Ennis. Is he
2: responsible for Preacher? Yes. That's a good one.
1: And I believe this is the comic where he's like, oh, I'm just going to write the most vile, disgusting thing I can. Oh, also
2: The Boys. Yes, this, That's this is That's another good one. Yeah. But also rough.
1: Yeah. And this is him basically like no holds barred. Okay. I'm going to write the grossest comic possible. And the movie's main influence is supposedly that comic. Interesting. And I know that comic. I haven't read it, but I've got a big stack of it because a friend of mine read it and went, I hate this. You'll like this. <laughs> Whenever people see stuff that's just absolutely disgusting, they're like, yeah. Madeline,
2: this is for you. You're a repository for the world's first. Yeah.
1: But I don't know. The sadness didn't really do it for me. That's Core's great. It's fun for a while and then it just is obnoxious and In and case stupid.
2: anybody's listening that yeah. might have a bad time watching a movie about sexual violence, it's also featured pretty prominently. It, that correct?
1: is actually the part that kind of turned me yeah. off. Yeah. So if it, that's something you're not into. Yeah, yeah, it, it got like. introduced earlier than from when I turned off, but then it just got to a place at which it just felt like they were like, oh, we could do this. Yeah. It didn't serve the characters. It didn't serve the story. It wasn't even like it was gross, but it wasn't that it grossed me out. It was that it made me roll my eyes.
2: Yeah. You got stupid yeah you got bored
1: but yeah if you want to watch an incredibly disgusting movie um that will probably shock you check out the sadness it's on shutter i i didn't hate the whole thing i just hated part of it
2: mm. yeah is it well made it is ways? it's actually really well made like technically
1: yeah the the gore effects are incredible lots oh. of um splatter <laughs> oh my god so much gore and prosthetic um effects and like practical Mutilation gore. Yeah, yeah. So if you're gore hound, high recommendation. There's but some just do stuff. Don't want don't don't go in expecting much from the plot. Okay. Yeah.
2: The uh, you know
1: what? Actually, can I just say I read this book last year called The Loop by I believe his name is is it Jeremy Robert Johnson or Robert Jeremy Johnson? I don't know. The book is called The Loop. L O O P. Yeah. Um, And it has a somewhat similar plot in which something causes an outbreak of of people raging and the, killing each did other. Did it get
2: turned into a miniseries?
1: No, but I really hope it does get a, a movie adaptation or something. Cause watching the sadness just made me wish I was watching an adaptation of the loop. Yeah, that's a, that well, that's an yeah, interesting great book. If, if you could... like gross body horror, go check out The Loop. It's so fucking good. And that's
2: a book. It's a book. <clears> it's a novel it's still yeah. put, easy to read. Put the grossness in your mind. Super
1: gross. This was a book that there were times where I kinda had to put it down to take a break, but in a good way. Not in a way where I'm like, I hate it, but in a way where I was like, whoa. Yeah,
2: I did. I did watch a movie uh, unrelated to the subject of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with Seth Rogen. He played two roles, and it's called An American Pickle. I think it was released during the pandemic on HBO. Yes, and apparently it's based on a uh, a New Yorker short story written by the same guy who you know uh, drafted the screenplay, Simon Rich, uh, and I had previously read the. I'd read that little short story and I thought it was pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a lot meaner than the movie. And I was sort of anticipating that when I started the movie. So in a funny way, you're, you're describing your pre- preference for the lube while watching this. Uh, the Sadness. Yeah. Made me think of my experience watching An American Pickle, which is in and of itself a pretty benign 90-minute uh, movie. It's yeah. light. You can watch it. There's no, You're, you're not going to get um, grossed out. You know, it's simple. It's about a guy uh, from the... Uh, 1920s uh who falls into a pickle jar or whatever a vat of pickles into the brine and is preserved perfectly for a hundred years and then taken out of the vat and uh thrust into modern brooklyn which is very different from what it was like in 1920
1: i can imagine
2: yeah and in the <laughs> in the short story my memory of the short story is that uh everything seems uh soft to this guy (laughs) yeah you know he he goes to meet his his one surviving you know uh, heir or descendant right who's in the i think i believe in the short story he's a screenwriter he writes spec scripts and so you know it's all told through the perspective of the uh the transported person Mm -hmm. and he just can't understand you know he's my, my my great grandson he says he's working all day but i i watch him he's not working he he eats a bag of chips. He took a nap for three hours while he said he was working. <laughs> and then he said he couldn't get any work done while I was here and he left having seen him done nothing. Like it's, it's sort of this critical perspective of how soft we are, I guess. Yeah. seen through the eyes of a fictional, you know, also caricature of a fictional, uh, you know, uh, factory worker from the 20s. Mm-hmm. It's funny. The title of the, the, the short story is Sell Out, though. Okay. And that's a, right from the jump. It's a very different story. An American Pickle it's very different uh, from the two words, you know, sellout, which really speaks to the point of the the short story that the guy's driven to earn money and does so by any means necessary, really. Whereas the movie is, is uh, told through this, like, uh, I don't even know. It's it's a lot schmaltz here, you know. It's yeah. about family and respecting your culture now. That said, I did kind of like it. And frankly, if I hadn't read the short story, I think I would have found it very charming mm-hmm. and maybe even moving. Um I'm not Jewish, but the the fact that both, you know, I mean they they are both uh American immigrant, well well the, the I guess the old character is an American immigrant Jew from Poland and the mm-hmm. the and the and he sort of looks to his uh, you know his descendant and he's he's you know disappointed by how little he cares about his his heritage, his faith, and his family. and it's it's just a very different story. I mean, it's almost like entirely different, yeah, but but fun. I yeah. recommend the short story. And if you find the short story, you know palatable you could probably enjoy the, the movie but I think I,
1: i'd watch it I, I i think i'd like to read the short story could, but then i I would definitely watch it just to see seth rogan as yeah. the, the old pickled jew it's fun that sounds great to yeah. me you, yeah you could
2: read the short story faster than the running time of the movie mm-hmm. but they're both a quick breezy uh, watch yeah i actually
1: think both of these were like kind of good you know precursors to the movie we're going to talk about which i know i've told people already that yeah. we're going to talk about a simple plan uh,
2: garfield what what a Tale of Two Kitties. Garfield? Oh, fuck. I watched the wrong
1: movie. Oh, no. Both adaptations. One of a comic. One of a book. <laughs> so.
2: I, I'm glad that you went straight to your Aziz Ansari I really impression. I did,
1: and I noticed as I was halfway through it. I'm like, oh, no. There's no going back now.
2: One of a book. <laughs> <laughs> Aziz. If you're listening, we were big fans. Human giant, come back! Fantastic, come back! Yeah, um, <laughs>
1: can we undo? <laughs> can we undo? <laughs> Anyhow,
2: well, what have you done?
1: Um, never mind. Good. Okay. Uh,
2: to... okay. Yeah. So but, right, but yeah, for real, no, I like. Um, this was part two of our Bill Paxton versus.
1: Yeah. So.
2: The universe.
1: Right. So crossed being an incredibly gross comic adapted into a movie, but like not you know entitled or anything. And then this being a short story that you say is much meaner, adapted into a film. Um, so we're going to talk about A Simple Plan, which is based on a book.
2: Based on a book.
1: Starring Bill Paxton.
2: The book starred Bill Paxton. As Hank. You know, the movie, the movie came out, what, 97? This uh, movie, 98. This movie came out while I was working at that movie yeah. theater, my it, first job. It was so,
1: shot early 98, like January of 98. And it was one of those movies that went through pre, pre-production hell. How familiar are you with that hell? I read the Wikipedia page and then some of the references on the Wikipedia page. So relatively, but not, I I wouldn't call myself an expert. Okay,
2: So I read the book uh, Mm -hmm. after I saw the movie because I loved the movie. Yeah. Then... Uh, the movie "The Ruins" mm-hmm. was released when I was in law school. Have
1: you read the book of the ruins? And as well?
2: so I watched the movie, okay. and then that book was sort of released almost contemporaneously to the movie. I think the yeah. ruins and the, the the book and the movie came up very After close to each other. After the
1: success of a simple plan, I think Scott Smith had a much easier time doing the novel and then film adaptation thing immediately well, afterwards. Right. Yeah.
2: So yeah, so I've read both mm-hmm. "A Simple Plan" and "The Ruins." I've seen both "A Simple Plan" okay. and "The Ruins." So we
1: both have done both
2: yeah so I didn't what I didn't know though was that a simple plans screenplay was also written by Scott Smith both, until this both
1: screenplays were written until
2: by. this viewing yeah for this show okay and uh, my wife was like oh that's interesting and the same guy wrote the book and the screenplays in the opening credits I said, yeah that is interesting so I googled interview Scott Smith uh, a simple plan I wanted to see if there was any interview from okay. the past and I found this one interesting interview from from screencraft
1: I did not uh, read this dot
2: one. org cool cool and it's actually from 2019, so this it's is recent. This is already—it's the 20-year anniversary, I guess. 20 does years he, later.
1: Does he mention like what he's doing now? Because I've um, noticed like he hasn't quiet, done another right? novel. I know, which is amazing because he had two incredible novels.
2: Well, so well, do you mind if I read a little no, bit? I'd, of i it. And Thank I don't you. want it to start. I don't want to start off too dry, but I kind of enjoyed this. Uh, what you described as we, production hell. We did so, all the queso stuff, so you're good. Yeah, people are.
1: They're ready. They're
2: ready. They're They're ready for us to take a break. We have them in the palm of our hands. (laughs) (laughs) Screenwriter Scott B. Smith originally developed his story as a screenplay, but decided to turn it into a novel first. He later adapted that novel into a script and took it out to Hollywood. Uh, Smith's journey with a simple plan as potential feature film began after he had published a short story for The New Yorker. The magazine's fiction editor learned of Smith's then unpublished novel, He quickly read it and forwarded the material to an agent. The novel eventually got into the hands of celebrated director Mike Nichols, who was interested in purchasing the film rights.
1: Incredible.
2: Nichols purchased the rights for his production company, Icarus Productions, for $250,000 against an additional $750,000 if a studio were ever to produce it. Nichols later stepped away from the project due to scheduling difficulties. Smith's novel was optioned for development by Savoy Pictures. Ben Stiller later joined the project. He spent nine months working on the script with Smith, but during pre-production, Stiller had a falling out with Savoy over budget disputes. In January 1995, John Dahl was announced as director with Nicolas Cage to star.
1: This is so wild.
2: In November 1995, Savoy was later acquired by Silver King Broadcasting slash Home Shopping Network. (laughs) A simple plan was put up for sale. Both Dahl and Cage left the production amidst the shakeup. Paramount Pictures purchased the project, Scott Rudin was attached to produce, and he hired John Borman to direct the film. This is when Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton were cast. Borman was well into location scouting until a second investor left the project, leaving Paramount refusing to fully finance the $17 million production. Borman found the financing, but due to more scheduling issues, he was forced to leave the production. Paramount then hired Sam Raimi to direct the film. Raimi saw saw it as an opportunity to direct a character-driven story that differed from his earlier works which were primarily embedded in the horror genre. So I just honestly found that whole story so interesting because it, yeah, I, I, I like movies, but I really don't know much about the business of yeah. it. And to I, hear that this guy kicked around, you know.
1: That was what shocked me so much about this, is this was a, a production nightmare. And I could kind of see it in the movie, Um, I mean, imagining this directed by Mike Nichols is nuts. So Mike Nichols did The Graduate. Yeah. Um, He's like... The
2: Birdcage?
1: Yeah. And... uh, My point, your point is Yeah. Like, it would be a much more classical film.
2: Yeah. The camera wouldn't have moved as much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it didn't move very much. That's true. Yeah. But then Borman doing it. Now, that's insane. That's actually the movie I wish I could have seen. Borman did Zardo's. He did Deliverance. Um, So, like, he... He he did point blank with Lee Marvin. Oh my god. Borman knows action. Yeah. And like kind of weird static action. Um so way more of a genre film there. So Raimi replacing him kind of makes sense, but Raimi was
2: pretty green. Ben Stiller might have directed it. Uh, and
1: that again, so the one thing I thought about when I was reading it is um how similar it was to the film Very Bad Things.
2: Actually, in Roger Ebert's four star review of this movie he yeah. references very bad things that's crazy i love the sh- very bad shittier Things." shittier version of the two very bad he, things in fact i think he calls very bad things reprehensible
1: that that is a great description of that movie that's one of the meanest films ever made It's just a cruel horrible movie now that is a nihilistic movie
2: now, you emphasized the word that because you and I were previously we talking about, about nihilism. Nihilism
1: versus cynicism in film earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we have great conversations about movies off mic, and then I'm like, our podcast sucks. Yeah. Um,
2: well, it's because we mostly talk about gargling hot milk, not a euphemism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so it, I was shocked by how I thought about very bad things, and then hearing Ben Stiller's name, I'm like, that would have been the weird dark comedy version.
2: Yeah, at that point he'd probably directed that that movie with Leone, right? He'd uh, done
1: the cable guy by then.
2: Uh, cable yeah, guy's like you're right. That would have been ninety six. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he, and he did uh, I love the cable guy. Flirting with disaster, I think. Or did he just star in that? I think he's just in that. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Um but well, look, Stiller was establishing himself as like someone worth watching at that point. Stiller's
2: a very good director. I
1: love Ben Stiller. Yeah, I think he's a great um I think actor, director. Great. I hear he's a very weird person, which you know kind of endears me to him even more. Um, but I would have loved to see, I would have loved to see all three other versions. Let's ask
2: all of them to do their own. I would, I would watch them. So are you telling me, you're telling me Nick Cage wouldn't make a, a remake of a simple plan?
1: I'm Nick Cage would literally do anything for money.
2: I don't think. I think that's the plot of his recent movie, but it I don't is, know if that's which true. I haven't seen
1: and I really want to. Yeah, I just haven't had that. time to get to the fucking movies. I, I haven't like seen that. Games. I haven't seen Men. There's so much I haven't seen right now and I'm bummed out.
2: Have you seen Multiverse of Madness? No. Cuz I actually did see that. That's you another did? one. Yeah. That's oh. so I saw two Sam Ra- Raimi movies in, in the week. same week. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was why we talked about going to see Doctor Strange.
2: Yeah. Well, so it's possible.
1: Well, let's let's back up and talk about books.
2: Okay what's your favorite book <laughs>
1: it's Probably, i don't know uh, seven the bible Eves, seven Eves by neil stevenson you do love 70s i know you've I been telling me to lot. read that book for eight years i have i have since the book came out i right. should
2: because that my my old favorite book was cryptonomicon by neil stevenson you
1: would love 70s <laughs> probably but fuck right. that don't don't you, worry but about you that. want to talk about this i want book to talk about scott smith um so i read the Runes. i had art so with both a simple plan and the Runes, i saw the movie And then years later, at the point at which I had sort of forgotten quite a bit of the movie, I got to read the book. Um, I bought... You know what? Yeah?
2: I read the book The Ruins before I saw the movie The Ruins. That makes sense. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about the time frame because I remember watching the movie in in that as well thinking, oh, it's kind of a shame. I went... The little changes in that movie, I I think, diminished it slightly.
1: Diminished? Hard disagree. From the book to the movie? Okay, so here's for the thing. For The Ruins? So with The Ruins, I read The Ruins in one sitting. Okay. Um, I believe it is the only fiction book I've ever read in one sitting. Like, I read Tina Fey's, you know... Bossy hands. Autobiography in one sitting, but that doesn't count. That's like Bossy 200 pants? pages of Tina Fey. That doesn't count. Sure, yeah. But The Ruins Suck is the... Suck
2: it, Tina Fey.
1: <laughs> no, it's just like... <clears throat> <laughs> but...
2: I, I'm not confident that would qualify as fiction either.
1: I went on a um, a trip to Mexico and I was staying at a resort, beach resort. Um, everybody went out on weird excursions. I did not want to do that. I went to the pool. I had my book, which was the ruins. I had chosen to read in Mexico, in the jungle in Mexico intentionally. I opened that book and by dinner, I had finished it. I moved locations a few times, but I couldn't put it down. Um... It it was thrilling. And I remembered the movie slightly, but I immediately went home and rewatched it. And what was so cool was how well Scott Smith, who had written both, had adapted his story to change the villain to make it work better in a different format.
2: And you're saying in both... A Simple Plan and In the Ruins? He did it in
1: both, where he adapted the story for a movie.
2: I think, I think in A Simple Plan, he turned a great, a capital G great book yeah. into a capital G great movie.
1: I actually... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine.
2: Yeah, I think they're both great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. No, no, I think, he, I think he turned them both into... I think the simple...
1: I think he did that with The Ruins, too. I think The Ruins is a fantastic movie where the villain is no longer the plants because that wouldn't look as good in a movie. The villain becomes the, the people. You
2: mean the the protagonist? The kids
1: are the villains in that movie. How so? Well, because almost all of the violence happens with them doing it to each other. Yeah. So it's them being cruel to each other, tricking each other, doing horrible things to each other, trying to escape, you know. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know.
1: And then in the book,
2: I remember the plant a... is
1: really the villain.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. But the movie, the
2: plants don't do very much at all. Okay. But we're not I mean, I haven't just yeah, watched we, that movie, so i prefer the, yeah, not to. I love the runes. I haven't I haven't watched yeah. that in 15 years. Probably. High recommend yeah, revisit yeah. the runes for it's sure. Fantastic. Both of these both of these get thumbs up. The
1: runes is the best movie to come out of the post-hostile like torture porn travel horror. Um, but anyhow, whatever.
2: I perceive the my memory of it is that it is about um optimism meeting reality in a situation that, that is simply beyond your control. And it's, it's about that
1: di- kind of both. It's of- well, yeah,
2: no, there, well, there's, yeah. there's a thread, but yeah, I think the ruins is really about, um,
1: I think it's about disregarding the situation that you are actually in. Well,
2: no, I, I, I don't think so. I think yeah. it's about the, I think it's about the resignation to death. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the actually relatively rapid collapse of, that feeling of being an inv- invulnerable you know yeah. a, a person who has a privilege it's the mm-hmm. death of privilege i love that and that uh, i heart
1: agree that's perfect and that's my memory of very it very well and I said I, and i
2: really yeah. like it you know yeah. th- these are kids who think they can do anything and they are immediately immediately like uh no you can't grist grist you know like yeah. that well you like, you come, should have been more respectful of the earth. So anyhow. So a simple plan. Anyhow,
1: I love the runes. I love the novel. I love the movie. I saw A Simple Plan a few years. I mean, again, again, I'm pretty sure this was one of those Blockbuster movies where it came out, was on the shelves at Blockbuster. I would rent literally everything that came out from Blockbuster and watch it at home. Um, and I watched it and I remembered it being really good. But I had not revisited it. And so I've been wanting to read the book forever. It is Um, possible
2: that I also rented it at Blockbuster. I I, my memory of it is seeing it at that movie theater.
1: I mean, it's that late '90s, early 2000s. But I also did work at
2: Blockbuster in the late '90s. Yeah, like I I certainly
1: did not see that in the theaters. Um, But you know, I believe that was like a VHS rental from Blockbuster for me.
2: Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. I mean, not you might be right about you. I you you might actually also be describing my experience with the movie.
1: Yeah, but. I remember really liking it. I also remember watching it with my dad and my dad being like, That was a really good movie. Like my dad really liked that movie. Um and that was like my strongest memory of it is how much my dad enjoyed it. I had memories of it in my head and then sometimes I'm like, Am I thinking of Fargo? But uh
2: Interestingly. Yeah. Sam and Roger Ebert says this in his review of the film. Sam Raimi is friends with the Cohen brothers, he is, and they had just, They worked
1: on Evil Dead 2 together. They had
2: just made Fargo, mm-hmm. and he asked them for advice about how to shoot in snow. Yeah, he said it's a little tricky because the way the light is, uh, it's I guess a it, lot brighter, it's than just a lot brighter to be yeah. because of
1: how um snow reflects, right? Yeah. So they yeah. were
2: sort of like, if not, I don't know if they were. Listed his actual contributors, but he asked them for help on how cool the technical yeah. side of shooting and, and how sound it carries over snow. It's it's just a funny uh environment to yeah. shoot in.
1: They edited Evil Dead 2, I believe. Okay. Um well, they're good. And I don't I don't even know if they were credited as editing it or if they just sort of sat in and helped out because they loved it. Mm-hmm. Um but that was why they were buddies with Ramy, mm-hmm. And that's just something that was in my head. <laughs> but um yeah, so i've been wanting to read a simple plan for a really long time i bought it years ago in california i said i was going to read it with merms i'm pretty sure i didn't and he did and he loved it and he raved about it to me And i'm like i'm an asshole i didn't read the book that i said we were going to read together and then we started talking about bill paxton and i'm like i really want to talk about a simple plan so i will
2: read it you mean you you and i yeah so you this st- is when we only... talked about frailty. I, I remember you were talking about listening to it on, a, on an audio. I did.
1: I, I I found my copy of it so and, let's and go. read let's, part. Let's, let's, listened let's revisit to part. that conversation. Okay. Do you
2: feel like you've read the book?
1: Well, I had the physical copy of the book. I did switched you back read and forth. The book? I switched back and forth. I half listened. I have read, but I absorbed it absorbed it into my orifices. Um. <laughs> oh.
2: We'll keep a pin in that.
1: Yeah. There were parts that I read, there were parts that I listened to, and there were parts that I listened to while I read. Like, really? Yeah. Like I was sitting in bed, like letting him read to me. Who was reading it? I don't remember. I know there's an ab- abridged version that's read by um Ah oh, fuck, I'm blanking on his name. I love him. He's the guy from After Hours in an American Werewolf in London. Griffin Dune.
2: Griffin Dunn. Griffin
1: Dunn. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um he read an abridged version that's only three hours long. Huh. And I almost bought that because I'm like, oh like Griffin Dunn. No, I think it's an abridged version of the book for losers. It does have to
2: be quite... A, well, it's probably, an, it's probably a version of the book that lops off a lot of the stuff that's not in the screenplay. Yeah, screen it part. might
1: just be like the movie version of the... I don't know, but yeah. it's only three hours long, which I would not have wanted to skip a page of that book.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a book that haunts me still. I read it when I was... I been, loved it. Yeah, I read it probably 12 years ago.
1: There is... Um, I mean, it's the best book I've read since... I read a novel uh, last year called uh, Amygdalatropolis, which I, I can't really recommend to people unless they've read A Simple Plan and they're like, I want to go harder into the horribleness. <laughs> like this is this is a, a real fucked up gross book about a, a kid. On this is a, Amygdalatropolis. Amygdalatropolis, like mm-hmm. really fucking gross book that's like the absolute most depraved Parts of humanity on the internet.
2: Okay. I remember you talking about this. Yeah. About a, you know, I was obsessed with this book. Yeah. Yeah, I recall.
1: And that was a book where I, when I read it, I felt gross, but I couldn't put it down. Okay. A simple plan made me feel nauseous, <laughs> but I couldn't put it down.
2: Well, all right. So it's not gross though.
1: No, it, it wasn't gross. It's, there not were gr- it's not gory. It was grotesque. Well, I'll explain. Um, Just this you're listening to like a narcissist talk about himself for hours on end and then he's doing horrible things and justifying it to you
2: yeah and that's really rough and that's actually kind of a distinction between the book and the movie
1: because hank's not that awful in the movie
2: no he's it, just
1: sort of unfortunate in yeah the movie. no
2: scott smith in the same interview yeah and i don't want to just keep reading from this interview but uh it's fine who cares Uh, Character and story arcs often need to be shifted in adaptations. Mm -hmm. The producer wanted the focus of the story to center on Hank and Jacob, which forced Smith to shorten the screenplay. Smith explained, I had to work to make Hank a more rational character and less evil. This offered audiences a more relatable character. Having Hank as an everyman of sorts allowed the audience to question what they would do in that situation as opposed to having Hank be somewhat of a maniacal and greedy character. Yeah. it's This article is really interesting to me to read about a guy who wrote a story which is on its own two feet excellent. Mm-hmm. And then for the purposes of creating a movie, figuring out started how to, to Make it. Yeah. it appeal to a broader audience, yeah. you know, uh, make it uh, yeah, smart <laughs> easier to stomach. Yeah, definitely. And, and it is. And it still has, yeah, I would say the tone of the book is that you're watching a sinister person given an opportunity to act out yeah and it's
1: almost like a sinister person discovering himself right you know like all the you know all stories about like someone you know coming of age and like learning who they are it's that except it's somebody realizing that he's evil
2: yeah it's it's uh, it would belong on the shelf next to the collector like it's about a book it's a book about someone who was willing to justify any course of action to improve or or just to uh, preserve his quality of life
1: and the most exciting part is it being written in in the first person in my opinion um because that's when it becomes just like brutal to listen to because it's him talking to you the whole time it's not like you're observing it you're literally sitting with this guy and listening to him um and and that is confrontational in a way that you know I, i don't feel i get to experience in a lot of media um yeah and i think that's also why They had to change that character because what's so exciting about it is listening to Hank talk to you and all the stuff he thinks, Mm -hmm. all the adjectives he uses to describe the people in his life. Like he describes his brother as disgusting and it's so mean. Yeah. The way he talks about his wife is gross. Um, and without having that first person point of view, um, that character is not as effective. So I think it was really smart. Yeah. To kind of change him into more of an everyman in about situation than a bad person. More of a, a decent t- guy yeah.
2: pushed by op, by this peculiar opportunity. More more interested in self-preservation yeah. than an accrual of, mm-hmm. of wealth.
1: Yeah. So, right. So Hank is this 30-year-old accountant living in this small town. He works at a feed store. So he's doing the books for a feed store. And his brother... As this kind of like sweet dumb idiot, unemployed, unemployed, um, hangs out with his best friend Lou. They make dumb jokes together, like they talk in inside jokes. They is is be, one of the observations that they seem to be to getting both. by though. Yeah, they get by in the middle of nowhere, and um, the three of them are going to visit Hank and Jacob. His brother is Jacob. Their their father's grave, which it goes way more in depth about the relationship between them and the father in the novel. Oh, yeah. But I, another change that was made for the book is they drop the cause of death in the middle. Like, towards the end of the second act is when you find out how the father died.
2: In the movie. In the movie, yeah. which I
1: thought was brilliant, to, to move that from the very opening of the book to the, the end of the second act.
2: Yeah, I, I think that this movie really succeeds as a brother's story. Yeah. And, and it really is about one s- sort of a straight shot well, boy, it's another book. It's another story about a guy who thinks he's earned it all. Yeah, and uh, each little piece of his narrative is sort of challenged by the the brother that looks like a, and sounds like kind of a um, a dummy, mm-hmm. but who is, as he says himself, "I perceive things." Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton in this movie is so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite performances ever. Yeah. Actually, I think
1: how how. um how close was he to Slingblade? When did Slingblade come out? Because uh, that's well, what I kept thinking in, about. Within, it was like it this guy years. must be so hot right now after yeah. Slingblade. Um, and
2: have you seen Slingblade? Of course, I've seen
1: Slingblade. I haven't seen Slingblade in a long time, though. But I re- I remember liking Slingblade, but I wonder how it's aged.
2: Probably, yeah. yeah
1: Slingblade is ninety six, so this is he. They made this less than two years after the release of Slingblade.
2: Yeah, this is probably still before he was kind of like a rock star cowboy hillbilly.
1: Yeah, I think he was getting hot.
2: Was this when he was with Angelina Jolie? I don't, I don't know wanna, if they were I don't want to talk yet, about but 90s I, Hollywood gossip. I, but they I don't know a, enough about it. They had a high profile, they peculiar did. relationship. Yeah. He was in this movie, uh, Pushing Tin, with John Cusack around the same time. Mm-hmm. And he had a similar sort of drawl. He was in Armageddon around yeah. the same time. I mean, so he did Billy start Bob making movies. I mean, sort
1: of plays a slight variation of the same character it's sort of like his intelligence level is kind of like what moves around um i don't know
2: this character i think this i think is, about the
1: movie bandits a lot i've uh oh i love bandits me too it's it's him bruce willis and kate planchette in a thruple.
2: well he's got that texas accent which he makes no effort to ever he does hide. not no so it, i mean that's his signature yeah yeah it's funny to think of Bruce Willis being the brother of Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. If I'm right. being honest. Okay. <laughs>
1: Bill Paxton is Hank. He's our lead. Yeah. His brother, Jacob, Billy Bob Thornton. And then Lou, who I'm blanking on his name, but he was a great character actor. Yeah, he, I don't was know his name. I, he was in Twin Peaks. He was also in Sling Blade. Oh, yeah. Um, that guy was in a ton of movies. I don't he know. passed away um, young. That's a shame. Yeah.
2: And Bridget Fonda.
1: And Bridget Fonda, who was, uh, in my opinion, steals the movie. Best performance of <laughs> the film. Yeah. Um, So the three of them are going to visit the grave of Hank and Jacob's father. And on the way, they almost hit a fox. They drive the truck off the road and the dog goes running out of the truck into the woods. They go after the dog and they find a, uh, it's like a very small plane.
2: Yeah, like a little Cessna, one engine, one person Single engine,
1: you know, plane um, that has clearly crashed, been snowed on and hank goes into the plane after being goaded by his brother and his brother's best friend and finds a bag with four million dollars in it
2: yeah it splits up pretty pretty neatly about a million about a million and a half to each of us
1: so i want to ask you what would you do
2: well see i've seen the movie so i this is this well, is foundational take to that, me
1: t- i mean let's assume you don't do exactly what he does what do you do
2: I, I Well, based on the experience of watching the movie, I would probably turn the money in. Okay, I, it sounds crazy, and I, I, maybe I'm wrong. It, yeah. It's the sort of thing. Actually, the sort of the point of the movie is everybody everybody has a certain sense of themselves, and then when given the actual opportunity to hold that money, mm-hmm. I might change my mind. But I, I I don't know. I prefer not to. Okay, so the premise of the of the the dilemma, as it were, is mm-hmm. that they think. Two of them think that it's just found money. That it's probably some criminal organization that lost a plane, and yeah. no one's looking for it. But at the, right at the outset, Hank's like, "Well, somebody's looking for it. It's it's someone's money." Yeah, <laughs> he has that line. And, yeah, that scene, every scene in this movie makes me like gives me goosebumps. Where they're right. looking at it, and one of them says, "This is like the American dream." Yeah, and he's like, yeah, "You work for the you American work- dream. You don't steal it.
1: You don't steal it." And it, then and then Lou's response to that is then it's better than the American dream, which uh, you got it. You nailed it. That let lines in both the book and the movie. There's a few things that are preserved between the two. And I think they're some of the most powerful moments. Um, They were smart. They knew what they were doing.
2: The scene where he brings the money home to his wife. I mean,
1: are you going to ask me what I want to do?
2: Oh, do you want, do you want to tell me what you're going to do? Yeah. What would you do?
1: So I'm going to take most of the money out of the bag, put the bag and, you know, this sounds Good like what Bridget Fonda it. would do. Uh-uh. Because I'm going to burn the plane. Oh. Immediately.
2: All right. But that doesn't actually solve the the ultimate problem of the money.
1: Then I'm going to find a fence.
2: You're, you're going to wash this money? I'm
1: going to wash that money.
2: See, I've also just finished the entirety of Ozark.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm studying for my Series 7, which has a whole bunch of and money laundering stuff in it. suggests
2: to me that you, <laughs> you don't get clean when you wash money.
1: No, you get dirty. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm an attorney. I I, I have a. Strict this is my fantasy. Code of ethics.
1: Truthfully, I think I'd be too terrified. <coughs> but uh, that's the <coughs> fantasy, right?
2: If a client of mine called me up and said, uh, "I have a question. I found a bag, a duffel bag, mm-hmm. oh, more like a suitcase, and it's got four million dollars of cash in it. What should I do with it?" I would almost certainly tell them, "Turn it in." Yeah, you don't spend it. Bring it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a simple plan. Give yeah, me that's the, my fantasy. Let me hold the money for three years. Honestly,
1: as- that's the thing when I, both when I read it and I watched it, I'm like, burn the plane, light the plane on fire. Because then they find the plane immediately. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But whatever. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's funny.
1: <laughs> but of course, then i have become Bridget Fonda. You called it. Like I am, I'm, uh, what, what's her name? Is it Sam?
2: In the character's name? Yeah. I don't know. We'll just call her Bridget Fonda. We can call
1: her Bridget Fonda. Um. I am that character because I like, I'm like, I know I shouldn't do this. And then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry for it now. I want this money.
2: I mean, that scene where they're talking about the money in the kitchen before she knows what's happened. Mm -hmm. And he's now kind of playing devil's advocate. Yeah. And he's taking, he's making the same feeble arguments that his brother and Lou were making, you know, in the previous scene. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of trying to get her to give him permission to go along with the plan. Yeah, he's like begging her. And she's like, he, you seem to keeps... want me to say something, so why don't you just explain yourself? And then he dumps and it on it, the and table. It's a great shot, or the it's money wonderful. just comes tumbling out and she sees it. And yeah. i like, all right, well, in this case, actually, maybe we should talk about this. <laughs> maybe
1: we should keep that money.
2: I thought you were being hypothetical. But
1: now that you're not being hypothetical, I think we need the money. I'm kind of into this money.
2: I mean, she eventually has this monologue at the end that's uh brutal, frankly. Yeah. Where she talks about her life everyone's life as they knew it before and she makes it sound like i mean and, and by the way it's contrasted yeah. with his little op- they added a little i think they must have added that little opening uh, voiceover because my father told me you know you you could be happy if you had a job a, a good job and you were friends with your neighbors you had a wife and Mm-hmm. people respected you and know, well, liked
1: No, I, I think that's kind of similar to the book. To too? The book. Yeah. I,
2: I, I'm now realizing I don't remember. Yeah, because in the beginning the of the book, he's the book. really
1: trying to sell himself as, as sort of like a, a normal Without realizing guy. it? Yeah. I'd become happy. Yeah. I had
2: I had a good life. Yeah. And, you know, later on, his, his loving wife describes the exact life that he has. As and then says pathetic. it like it's the
1: most miserable thing ever and she's going to be pretending to be happy the S- whole time. Pretending to smile. Yeah, going. Uh, what I keep thinking about is um, she says going out to dinner every once in a while as a special treat and then coming home for dessert. Yeah. And that like hit me. I'm like, damn, that's dark. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that is also the. Because it strongly
2: implies that she's already been thinking this. Yeah. That she's actually miserable. Yeah.
1: She's been pretending to be happy this whole time. Yeah. Her performance is my favorite in the film. It's really good. I think Paxton is, is good as the character. I almost think that like, so um, in the Wikipedia article, he says that he actually had found out about the book years earlier from his father, that his dad had read it and recommended it to him. And then he had read it and he loved the book and wanted to play that character. So I do feel a bit of curiosity about like, well, which character did he want to play? Did yeah. he want to play movie Hank or book Hank? And I kind of suspect he wanted to play book Hank.
2: Yeah, because he occasionally does that. Yeah. He, in the sequence where they have to record the the Lou's yeah. pretend confession, mm-hmm. he taps into that sort of yeah. sinister He's quality. got a
1: few moments that really shine. That's one of them. That's one of my favorite moments of the movie. That's actually the turn for me. I, I think the, um, the first 50 minutes were really rushed. And well. that's the scene where it kind of turns. And then I'm really engrossed in the film. And it, his performance in that scene where he's recording Lou... And then stops the recording and is like, okay, we're done. We did it. And you see something break in him. I thought that was really strong. My other favorite Paxton moment is actually when um, he dumps the money on the table. And her name is Sarah. Bridget Sarah, Fonda's okay. uh, character is Sarah. He dumps the money on the table in front of Sarah. She lights up. And then they, This and this is a wonderful like film sequence. They have dinner and clean up and they're having a continuous conversation throughout, which cuts through the scenes. So it's sort of like you're experiencing the conversation as if it's all being had at once, but it's right. being had over several hours. Yeah. And towards the end of it, they're cleaning up after dinner and he's putting the leftovers in, in like a plastic, a plastic container. And as he's shoveling the leftovers in the container, he drops them on the counter and he puts the container down at the bottom of the counter and uses his hand to scoop the yeah. crumbs into the container. And I'm like, that's fucking acting. That's brilliant. Like, what a way to show how frugal someone has been. Yeah. Because that's like, a, a, like an unconscious action where he's like, oh, I dropped some pasta on the table. I need to save this pasta so we can eat it later. Right. Which, like, I'd be like, gross, throw it in the trash. Yeah. And, but it's such a wonderful way where he's talking about what they're going to do with $4 million and trying to save pasta that has been dropped on a dirty floor. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. With respect to it feeling rushed, with respect to it feeling rushed, I actually think that that serves the movie. I saw one comment on, uh, some user posted a comment on rogerubert.com. Yeah saying that they they feel like the movie would have benefited from more time being spent with the characters. I do too. I, well, I don't agree with that, actually. I think getting into it, I think we understand the characters pretty well. I don't yeah. think there's any confusion about them. What we don't know, this goes to the conversation we had the last time, where mm-hmm. uh, the more you know about a thing, the less interesting it is to me. Yeah. It's more interesting to watch them act, to to sort of discern, frankly, and this is especially the case with Billy Bob Thornton's uh, Jacob. hmm and the fact that he's sort of presented visually, the, the movie signals that he is um, shiftless and maybe a little mentally uh, underdeveloped. Right. They give him the like shorthand of a guy who doesn't uh, think all that clearly.
1: they do they actually do really great work with him because you really think like this guy's an absolute idiot at the at the start. Like you're like, this guy might not be all there. And then the more you get to know him, the more you realize that he's he's actually a really tragic character. It's he's sad. I, yeah. I really
2: think it's one of the great performances in too. my lifetime. I think I think it's one of I yeah. think it's I mean I I people I don't know I have not seen enough late mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton and he's people are probably gonna say Bad Santa is his best movie. People <laughs> well, love ben, that movie. Bad
1: Santa might be the best movie he's been in. Yeah, well, um, well, I don't. Think but that might not be true either. I I don't know. He he seems to not just take work. That's the impression I get with him. I think he's he likes not, to play
2: music. Frankly. He's
1: not in a lot of movies. and he, Yeah, he, he likes to play music.
2: I know he played on uh, Warren Zevon's last he's album.
1: In, I looked it up because I'm like, where has he been? Like watching it, I'm like, where is Billy Bob Thornton? I think he's on some TV show called Goliath that I'm not familiar with.
2: Yeah, I watched the first season of that. I
1: don't believe that's all that he's done recently. That's, that's
2: real bad. Is it really? Yeah, I watched the whole first season. What a bummer. I, I complained about every episode. It's... um. I watched it during the pandemic. Why'd you my, keep watching? My wife asked me that question over and over again. I was like, <laughs> I gotta see how it ends. I'm going to give them a whole season. It's a David E. Kelly show.
1: I don't know who that is. David
2: E. Kelly is sort of like a, t- a TV Goliath, frankly. What does he made? Uh, Allie McBeal. Uh, oh,
1: he's that guy.
2: Yeah, he married Michelle Pfeiffer. He's, yep. the, he's mm-hmm. the screenwriter of that weird crocodile movie, Lake Placid. I love Lake Placid. He's the guy who wrote that. It's he's great the guy, uh, he wrote... Um,
1: Terrible sequels. That I, feel I, like, I
2: feel like he was a writer on L. A. Law, though that could be wrong. Okay, I'm pretty sure he created but, the no. practice. Yes, Boston Legal. Like yeah. he's one. He's probably television. He does all those legal shows. He's probably one of, he's your guy. One of television's like ten most successful, most prolific right. writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right now, he's actually responsible for a series made out of The Lincoln Lawyer.
1: Oh, that's cool.
2: I guess I think it's probably going to be terrible. Oh, okay, never. mind. I think he's a guy it's that kind of not cool, uncool. I think I think he's got a little bit of that John Grisham thing where. He was a lawyer and he mm-hmm. wrote a book about being a lawyer early yeah. on and being a lawyer. And then he became a writer, but he still writes about the practice of law from when he was a lawyer. Okay. And so watching Goliath, the stuff that really sprung out at me was, I mean. It, oh,
1: it's a, so it's a lawyer show.
2: Yeah. it felt, And he plays, a, Billy Bob Thornton plays a lawyer. Okay. And it just feels like the most, it feels like it's completely unrelated to the actual practice of law in the 21st century. And so I kind of feel like David E. Kelly might have had some first-hand knowledge of how to be a lawyer in the 80s and 90s but doesn't know now but but every lawyer that he writes sounds like some guy from the 80s and 90s it's like uh yeah you know the uh you know chicago with billy flynn the the musical chicago. yeah of course i know chicago if every lawyer on television i'm, I'm like the place was billy flynn wouldn't, okay. you, wouldn't you feel a little bit like or, or rather <laughs> if i was like i got a great idea for a show it's about a lawyer that razzle-dazzles everybody he talks fast he completely spins the jury around. You'd be like, right. But I mean, does he own a computer? Because you couldn't, no. you couldn't possibly be serious about writing a <laughs> series about a lawyer who like just communicates via telephone calls. Like should, from we what, should we watch phone? some
1: like lawyer movies? Do you, you want, want to watch, to watch the, the Lincoln Lawyer and the Lincoln Lawyer? I'd watch the
2: Verdict. I've never I seen the Verdict. I've the never Verdict, the Verdict is a
1: fantastic movie. Do you want to watch? Way a,
2: off topic. Do you want to watch a terrible lawyer movie? Is it the Lincoln Lawyer? No, it's um, Al Pacino. Uh, there's a famous. Oh, it's is it? Um, a famous sequence at the end where you know he's like. I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole courtroom's out of order. I can't think of what it's called all of a sudden. I'm
1: blinking at it too. I want to be like The Devil's Advocate, which is a lawyer devil movie with Al Pacino. Love
2: that one. Um, It's called Injustice for All.
1: Yeah, something like that, That movie fucking
2: sucks. It sucks? As a criminal defense attorney, that movie is uh, deplorable.
1: (laughs) All right. What about... um, I'd go so
2: far as to say that movie is irresponsible. what's
1: What's the Richard Gere... Primal Uh, Fear. Oh, I love Primal Fear. How's Primal? primal, We'll we'll do a lawyer series. We're so off topic. We could
2: just do lawyer movies moving forward. We
1: could. You know what? Fuck Bill
2: Paxton. He must have played a lawyer at some point. He did. Did he?
1: No, I'm just saying that. I have no idea. Why would you lie? I guess I. Merms. (laughs) Merms, please help us. I'm sorry. (laughs) I told Merms or he's the like whim of a he's like a main character in the podcast now.
2: Yeah, you know. Well, there's only three characters. But
1: she responded to by laughing, which I think is good. So nah, I don't know. Yeah. Um,
2: you know Merms.
1: I do Merms, Classic Merms. Merms is great. Merms is like the best.
2: Do we have any notes from Merms? Oh, he just skipped. He that. really liked the queso episode. Did he, he explain why?
1: Um, because he loves uh, conspiracy minutia and like small annoyances. I think was Dreamances. his note small annoyances. grievances that was it small well, grievances yeah
2: think. Anything... i hurt my back installing a window unit air perfect conditioner. nailed it all right so back to that's a simple for, plan I mean,
1: <laughs> okay so yeah um the biggest difference between well, say the
2: biggest difference is probably the the, the, the epilogue ending? yeah yeah
1: and it's not the epilogue it's the entire last act of yeah, the book act five yeah, it is. The book has an additional like. I don't even 50 know if that, I pages. don't even
2: know if that's true. Now that I, I said that off the off the cuff, I think the biggest difference is what happens to Jacob.
1: <gasps> oh, you're right. The biggest difference is what happens to that's Jacob. that's the biggest difference, and that is what made me nauseous reading yes. the book. This is one where I almost actually don't want to talk about it because I want people to read read the book. The book. That's um, the biggest, which difference. is such a bummer because I'm so excited to talk about it. It gives
2: me goosebumps to think about it now. Yeah. It's such a different turn. It's so fucked up. It's sadder.
1: It's way sadder.
2: <laughs> it's sadder. And
1: like, so, okay. Just quick synopsis of the movie, even though I'm hoping everyone has seen it already at this point.
2: Yeah, please do see This is like my, it's great. my everywhere, everything. Yeah. I, I, I everything will
1: everywhere. say I listened to the book slash read the book both at the same time. Um and then as soon as I was done, I watched it.
2: You can certainly get away with only watching the movie.
1: You can, but it's worth doing books. But
2: if you like books, you ought to read but the But I do
1: think that you should not do what I did and finish it and immediately hit play, you should give it a couple weeks.
2: Let the book sink in for sure.
1: Absolutely, because I think what happened was—I
2: actually think you should watch the movie first.
1: Yeah, I, I no, actually, I agree with you. Watch the movie yeah, first, watch then the, movie read the book. And then read the book. That the, is absolutely yeah. the right order.
2: Because the book is a, more, a, a colder book, distillation of the idea. Me. It yeah.
1: shook me so much, and then I started watching the movie, and I was like, "Well, when's it going to turn?" And the movie is way sadder. And smaller feeling than the book in a lot of
2: ways. Well, so. as you said in that little blip that yeah. I read, it's they changed the focus to be about the brothers. Mm-hmm. And for, that really affects me. I have, yeah. a, I have a brother. He's about it, you know, as far as family, close family goes. And so um, watching it, that scene where, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of scenes in this movie yeah. where I mean, Jacob lays bare yeah. that Hank has a very limited grasp. Of the whole family, mm-hmm. he doesn't know anything about his dad. Yeah, and he, he doesn't, doesn't know, know anything about, about Jacob. He barely knows anything about Jacob. Yeah. Ja- and Jacob says it. He's like, oh, "Yeah, he Lou's more, more of a brother. All we have in common is a name. Yeah, Lou's more of a brother to me than you are. Mm-hmm. And he's still, he's still si- and you know, in the old, in he that moment, he still with, defends with his, his brother, brother against against mm-hmm. Lou. Yeah, and a scene that is just heartbreaking.
1: It really is. So they steal the money. Yeah. Um, Hank says the only way we'll do this is if I take all of it and I hide it for six months, and when it's the summer, if we are sure no one is looking for this money, we'll split it up and hit the road. Know, we'll hit the road. We'll leave town, take the money, live go our separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and at first everyone's like, "This is great."
2: um for what it's worth one and a half million in like 1997 was a lot is, is closer to three million today yeah yeah so it's it, it's enough to like disappear and hide
1: i mean if you gave me a million dollars now i'd do you, way better you'd
2: still take it I, even just a million yeah you'd take it are you kidding me if i get madeline, if you for if, what madeline you're telling me if i go upstairs
1: and get a million dollars and
2: i go into the vault and i retrieve one million dollars
1: and you give it to me? And I give it to you. Yeah.
2: You would accept that?
1: Of course I would. What are you fucking talking you about? You sell it. I am. Wait, for what? What did I do in, in exchange for this money? You'll see. Oh, no. I mean, it's fine. Am I drinking the milk? <laughs> <laughs> but right. Okay. Madeline,
2: what, if, you, if I put that milk in your face, what do you say?
1: Get that milk out of my face. This is a riff on a on a drag race joke, by the way. It's, uh, it's get those nuts out of my face. It means nothing Latrice to me. Royale says it. I know, yeah, I, I just had to. I had I had to I did I in case anyone was like, wow, she ripped off Latrice Royale. I just I had to get it out. You kind of
2: did the same thing. You used the same cadence.
1: I did, didn't I? All right, anyhow. Oh no. <laughs> so <laughs> they're gonna get me. They're gonna they're gonna drag race is gonna RuPaul is gonna sue me. With his fracking money okay go on okay so um they take the money immediately uh his wife whose name i i got uh, sarah sandra sarah who's played, played so by bridget bit. fonda in an incredibly she's so good she's you the know, one i was impressed with the most i guess
2: this is another i was watching i'm like boy what happened to her what did she just choose no to idea. stop acting
1: no i have no idea she
2: was a big deal she was in this yeah. jackie brown she did that uh
1: she was in army of darkness
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, they had worked together on Army of Darkness. She, her and Raimi.
2: She's the uh, the princess or
1: whatever. Um, I assume so. I, I just don't know. knew. I just I just read. You know, they worked together on Army of Darkness. That's
2: interesting. I don't recall her in that, but I, that, I, I, I my memory's worse every day.
1: Maybe I'm wrong, but I absolutely read that on Wikipedia
2: earlier today. People liked her a lot in the '90s. She was great. She made that movie that was like about the assassin. Remember that? That was on HBO like every four hours. No idea. Really. They turned it into a TV series. Lef- Gabriel Byrne was in it.
1: Gabriel Byrne?
2: Yeah, it was a movie where it, it, Harvey Keitel was in it.
1: What the fuck? What movie is that? I
2: don't know. I, I,
1: Whatever. Okay. So she's like, if we're going to keep the movie, you've got to take some of the money and go back and hide it in the plane. So when people find the plane, they don't, they okay. assume, you know, no one's been in there.
2: And it so was called Point of No Return. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember Point of No Return. So he goes back to put the money in the plane, brings Jacob with him. And of course, while they're doing that, old guy shows up on a snowmobile and Jacob freaks out and beats the shit out of him. They assume he's dead. He's not dead. Hank winds up murdering him and they throw his body into the river. And this is really the uh, point of no return for them because now they actually have blood on their hands.
2: Did you know that Bridget Fonda married Danny Elfman?
1: Yes, and Danny Elfman did the f- the music of A Simple Plan. Yeah, did they a- get married after the movie?
2: Yeah. That's I mean, cool. They got married in like 2003, 2005 or I something. I wonder
1: if they met on A Simple Plan. It's possible. I love Danny Elfman.
2: He did the mu- the music for uh, Multiverse of Badness. They're buddies, I guess. They are buddies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool dudes.
2: The Elfman. Yeah.
1: Um But right, after that it's just sort of like a spiral.
2: Yeah, and everybody makes small choices that are bad, mm-hmm. really. like initial- it's,
1: it's like they just keep making the wrong choices over and over and
2: over again. And they keep again. doing it to try to avoid suspicion. It, you yeah. know, it's funny. This is a movie, and I feel like I kind of... I don't recall if I talked about this on the podcast already or not. I don't want to <laughs> sound like a sociopath. But, you always do. But um, they do the thing that liars do that gets, li- that, that, that gets you caught. They start to perceive themselves as obvious perpetrators of fraud. And so they start to create smoke screens. They start yeah. to create plausible deniability where no one would have ever contemplated yeah. criminal activity in the first place. And so, you know, right from the jump, they, they bring the dog and the sack of money mm-hmm. out of the woods. They put it in the back of the car and the sheriff rolls up and, uh, And uh, Hank starts chatting with him. He says, Just stay in the car. I'll just talk to him. I say, You know, the dog ran off. It's fine. Yeah. And uh, Jacob comes walking out of the car. He says, (laughs) You hear the plane? You tell him about the plane. (laughs) We heard a plane. And by the way, this plane's clearly been down for weeks. The, The corpse inside is mummified. So, you know, half eaten by crows. And you see Paxton turn and look at him with this face, you know, that's like, Oh, dude, dude, bro. If you hadn't said that, there's no chance in a million years anybody would have ever associated us with this accident. And he gets back in the car and Lou's like, yeah, but now... Now, when they do find the plane, they won't think we found it. Because because why would
1: we ask about it? Why would we have
2: told the police about it? Why would we have asked about the plane if we had found
1: the plane? They do all
2: And that's the same as Bridget Fonda take some of the money back and
1: put it back so people don't think anyone's been in the plane. It's just constant, um, It's
2: it's the paranoid, active attempt, bad decisions. It's the active attempt to create confusion Mm -hmm. where no one was no one was even curious in the first place yeah and that's that that's how you get caught in a lie honestly you start to act like uh you need to be deceptive to avoid detection i mean but that's the thing when you walk when you're not a liar you don't walk around in the world uh attempting to avoid detection yeah or or concern that people won't trust you who you know who you say you are you know i don't I don't assume that I have to come up with a cover story every time I use my credit card to to buy you know drinks or, or dinner. Mm-hmm. I just assume that they'll take the card. But <laughs> once it's someone else's card, like if I had, and this this goes to you know juvenile delinquency. You pick up some guy's credit card and you have to and you start sitting there thinking of a cover story where nobody ever asks you about your identity. It's just a funny you know, like, and this movie's all about that 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 guilty. It's not exactly a guilty conscience, but mm-hmm. it's the way you're you're. Your brain starts to change the world around you to make every person into someone who yeah. suspects you of criminal activity. It's, it's paranoid to create an affirmative defense in the event yeah. that they ever ask you how you knew about, you know, where were you on the night that you know, like, why you know.
1: didn't you tell me about the plane
2: or beyond that, like, yeah, have you ever been out there? I saw you guys out there. Oh, of course you did. There's one road. Yeah, everybody's out there. There's a farmer out there. You ask mm-hmm. him. <laughs> and by the way, I just I love the uh, imagery of the fox and the. And the crows. With the chicken? Simple. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just basic predatorial stuff. Yeah. I Good know. stuff with the animals. I liked it. That, seemed, that felt to me like Raimi's stuff, but it might have yeah. just been in the screenplay. Because no, the that's, fox that's was. In the, that's all in the book. Oh, yeah. The fox yeah. was also pertinent to the plot. It yeah. Was a, the it,
1: fox is like the inciting incident. Yeah, like the right. fox is the thing that it's makes the, thing the whole movie sends happen. Sends them out there. There's a plane. fox that has stolen a chicken yeah. from someone's farm and yeah. is running off with the full chicken in its mouth, which for a fox is like. million. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I um, Jackpot. Yeah, so it just sort of spirals out of control differently in the book and the movie, of course. Um,
2: And maybe I won't... Maybe we can avoid spoiling the actual final conclusion of the movie in this one.
1: I'm okay with that.
2: Because we can talk about the themes, I think, without actually explaining the very final moments, unless you wanted to say something specific about those final moments now. You know, I don't. It's a movie about increasingly... Complex scenarios yeah. created by deceptive practice and poor decision making. Yeah.
1: By people who are either um who are I mean, the thing with Hank is he's a lot dumber than he thinks he is in yeah, he's, both.
2: He's not nearly as he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He thinks he's
1: he thinks he's really smart, smart. because he's an accountant.
2: That scene where the where he's talking yeah. to Jacob about the family, the dad going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And Jacob's like, Well, where do you think the money went, Hank? And he's
1: clueless, and it's like it put you through college, dude. Yeah, don't don't like you, f- you think you're so smart because you went to college. You
2: bankrupted our entire family. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's why he did what he did. I mean, this movie is outstanding. I really find this. I think this movie I, is outstanding.
1: Okay. I don't.
2: Yeah, that's too bad.
1: And I'm gonna say, I don't like Ramy I, I actually think he's a weak director. Yeah, you
2: told me this before. I'm not sure if, if you, you uh, said it on the pod, but I, I have not.
1: No, um, and I don't dislike Sam Raimi overall. Um I think so you,
2: don't, you don't dislike him overall. What no, I love I
1: like Evil Dead. I like Evil Dead too. But all I right. I think he's sort of a goofball. Yeah. And I think he does does best with goofball material. And he took this, he came onto this movie late. It even says um like in an interview somewhere that like he didn't have time to location scout. So he just trusted all of John Borman's notes. Hmm. So he came Good onto notes. the movie late, and he's like, "This is my chance to do a character-driven story," and I think it shows that he doesn't have that much experience doing it, because the actors are doing a lot of fantastic work, and it's not really being documented or put together in a way that I think is the the
2: best for. I don't. I don't, I don't I'm. Yeah. Be, I'm not just picking a fight. I, don't, I actually don't know what you mean.
1: Um. I. I just think the it's an information overload in the first hour. The plot is, is, it's way too plotty. And um, there's a lot of shots that are wide where someone is doing something. It's like, I'm going to oh, ask you.
2: But I love that shot where they're, uh, yeah, where he's walking back. I'm not saying where they're Hank's all bad. Hank's walking back to the, uh, to the car mm-hmm. and Jacob's talking to the farmer.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful where you, stuff. Where yeah. you see it and
2: it's quiet. Well, I'm going to say, out. Yeah.
1: Raimi shines anytime there's violence. Yeah. The second half of the movie is so much stronger than the first half. Because it gets violence, you get you get action. There's way more like active conflict, and that's when he does better. I think the first hour of the movie is a little rough and a little um, like you know beat 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 beat. It doesn't have a good rhythm. I don't
2: know. I, I, I you and me just disagree about that. So I'm gonna
1: okay. ask you the um, the scraping food into a Tupperware. Right. Did you see that?
2: I don't know if I did.
1: Exactly because it wasn't shot correctly. It didn't document a lot of what the characters were doing that was really strong. Um, But see, I don't
2: necessarily, well...
1: It feels a little passive in a way that is not building to a good character-driven story. I just think Raimi's a little green and a little weak for the material.
2: I feel like you're asking them to highlight stuff, and I don't know that it needed to be highlighted. But you
1: didn't notice it.
2: It didn't matter. It didn't affect my appreciation of the movie. Yeah,
1: but because I rewound it and rewatched that part. And I was but like, it sounds that's like great. you did notice it. Well, I think Paxson, no, Matt noticed it actually. I didn't. Huh. Yeah. I think the actors are doing amazing work yeah. and it's just not being like well, yeah, but put got, together in a, just, a, in a way that's.
2: I just don't agree with the ultimate conclusion. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's a great script. Obviously, I, I think it's amazing sub, performances. I just think here. the
1: directing is a little weak in the first half. The second half is fucking fantastic. It, once they get to the scene, the, the, the qua, confession the scene.
2: The quasi, yeah, that quasi-Mexican It's just up. like
1: up, 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 up from there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I, I will say I think I was a little hard on it because I had just finished the book and I was obsessed with the
2: book. The book was really he- So I was a little stuff.
1: rougher on the movie. Due to how much I adored the novel.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe we can do an epilogue non-episode about the book next week to give people any chance that they want. I mean, you can rent this on Amazon for three dollars. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm going to say we have avoided talking about the ending or going to like both both the book and the movie, and they are
2: sort of different. Frankly, so the book is so different from halfway through to the end. If you
1: have not seen this movie or read this book, go do both. you will read the book fast it took me less than a week to get through it i I
2: couldn't again
1: i could not take it out of my ears or put it down he
2: writes books the way he writes as though he were writing screenplays they crackle there's a lot of dialogue it's very well i guess this one's very internal i guess they both are actually both the ruins and this book are very internal yeah
1: but that's part of the reason i'm like i would love to see the mike nichols version i would love to see the ben stilger version i would love to see the john borman version the raimi version is great but i think it could have been better. There's room hmm. for improvement. Well, sure. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I mean, I, I think, think The Godfather could be improved. I think it. it's a four out of five. I just don't think it's a five out of five, and I think it could have been.
2: All right. Uh, listen, I I, yeah. I guess I don't have any quibble with that. You're still saying it's good. Yeah.
1: The music is so good, too. I know yeah. we only vaguely mentioned Danny Elfman, but I think it's one of
2: his coolest scores. Yeah, there's so many. I think there are really good shots in this movie, though. Like, I love the sequence where... Paxton's dealing with a grumpy, you know, I guess farmer, yeah, complaining about getting billed five times in December.
1: That part is good.
2: And while he's yeah. while he's trying to, he's haggle with the this guy, There's
1: five Mondays. <laughs>
2: he's looking out the window, and I think there's a funeral procession for the farmer who fell into the water. Yeah, again, and then I don't simultaneously, think somebody's calling him, and he's like, I, I feel like this movie is expert at
1: i just think it's a little plotting well, and a little passive fair enough and, and my yeah. wife
2: has loudly proclaimed that she's tried to watch it four times and fell fallen asleep in the first hour like three of those four times so yeah i guess there is an argument that the first hour is not as thrilling as, as where it takes it in the second hour but i don't know i i love this one this one's a, an alfred movie mm-hmm. but it's probably because i have a real brother yeah um uh, i have like a I'm moved by the brother relationship very very deeply. And I
1: love the book because I'm a
2: sociopath. (laughs) 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 I'm glad the book is there for you. I'm I'm sorry it came to us so late in your life. Love (laughs) it so much.
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to read it again. Uh, it, It really... Like that's everything I want. And watch. when
2: you say you're gonna read it again, this time I'll read the physical book. You're gonna watch the words play out on the screen. There somewhere. we go. Perfect. Yeah. I'm gonna
1: actually find a a YouTube video a that's just one word at a time. Oh, that would be a terrible experience. Reading one word at a time on a video of a book.
2: How long do you think that would take? Too long. At least two hours. So
1: long. No, it'll be way more than two hours. What if they flash like really fast? What if one they chapter? flashed very fast? There's no way I could keep up. Could I? I don't know. Let's try it out.
2: Maybe we should make that video. We're
1: going to make this video, you guys. Do you think it'll get flagged for copyright?
2: It's possible. It might get flagged as a...
1: <laughs> I guess it depends on whether or not we put a pop song it, on it. It, it. might. It's going to be Kesha.
2: It's going to be Kesha, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's going to be TikTok. Let it go. Yeah, there we go. It's let it go. It's frozen. frozen. Perfect. Actually, that is perfect.
2: And uh, the... Uh, yeah, what I was going to say, it's going to get flagged for inducing seizure. That's what it's going <laughs> to get flagged for. All right. Look, well, I love the movie. You like the movie. We both want you to see the movie. That's yeah. the, t- the net takeaway. This is yeah. still a two thumbs up situation. It is.
1: Here. It's a two thumbs up situation. Uh, and I by, just which think.
2: And let's be clear about this. The yeah. thumb system is either thumbs up or thumbs down. It's one each of us per person. Each of us gets to decide, thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. That system has been really. This is
1: not a four thumb person. No,
2: we're not. This uh, is
1: not one person with four thumbs. Imagine
2: if we gave this movie three thumbs out of four. <laughs> what good would that be? No good. No good. So,
1: imagine we give it five out of
2: four. No. Well, then no, where's
1: that? Where's that thumb coming someone's from? Someone's
2: gonna think that we're being lewd.
1: The thumb is coming from in the, inside the house.
2: The thumb is coming <laughs> from inside <laughs> the house. Man, I.
1: I want to go so deep into the book, though I really do. Well,
2: we can, I'd be happy. Maybe I'll give the book another
1: look. You should yeah, read it again. I yeah, want to non- talk us- about how much I hate people.
2: We can honest out it with a yeah. queso title, and I think yeah. queso you'll you found queso. Okay, you found four point four million dollars in a dead <laughs> in a dead man's hands in, in, in the middle of the tundra.
1: <laughs> you found a queso club membership. What do you do
2: now? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do now? What. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, any anywhere closing comments? I
2: hope this is a good episode. I hope people like this. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it will be. You I want know. me to say something uh, mean? Would that be good? Yeah, no, no. Let's close off on cruelty. Your eyes look like dog shit. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Madeline's eyes don't look anything like dog shit. They're to me. yellow with <laughs> queso. Yeah, they're they're, 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 they're like they're <laughs> seeping.
1: <laughs> There's queso coming out yeah, my more, eyes. It's more I of a jaundiced cheese yeah. now.
2: Do you? But, but is it only when you cry? What do you only cry cheese when you would normally cry tears? Right, or do you, but are you, or do you just persistently seep cheese?
1: No, it's it's only when I cry.
2: Okay, so you're not like handicapped. <laughs> it's not like you can't drive a car anymore.
1: No, no, I, I'm not. <laughs> I have no response for this. I mean, this I guess like, you shouldn't. i have myself too deep in a hole. I
2: guess you shouldn't drive a car to a funeral or <laughs> I'm possibly gonna, a wedding. Look, I'm
1: going to go call an Uber and go home. <laughs> <So,
2: laughs> oh, here comes the cheese. Here comes the cheese works. All right.
1: Good night, people. Let yeah. us know if you liked the episode. Yeah,
2: I mean, but don't let us know if you didn't. No, do.
1: Who needs that? Just Alfred. Just call Alfred. Yeah, you can call me. His personal phone number is... 1-800-